Hello, Destiny Benders. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I was at the Association of International Education Administrators, AIEA, conference in Washington, D.C. Between sessions and plenaries and receptions and happy hours, I caught up with a lot of old friends and made some new ones. And I sat down with four of them to chat about the state of international education and the work they do to change lives and bend destiny. So take a listen. Hi, I'm at the AIEA conference, and I'm with Yuri Sakamaki, the Director of Study Abroad Programs at American Language Institute at Cal State University, Bakersfield. Yuri, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So you're just starting to tell me about your journey starting in Japan. So could you please share with our listeners briefly your journey, how you got started in international education, what made you get into international education? Okay, so first I went to a little high school in Minnesota, which was about 2,000 people in the village. And my Graduating senior class was 40 students, not 400, 40. But I had a great experience. Uh, People were very nice to me, which I did not really speak much English back then. And they used to tell me, Yuri, you're so quiet. And I was thinking in my mind, no, I'm not quiet. I'm constructing English sentences. (laughs) So give me a minute. (laughs) But of course, they didn't wait. But by the time the nine month passed, um, I was able to speak and I really enjoy um, getting to know people there. And, you know, to this day, I still get in touch with my American host family, yeah. like from mom and dad, they live in New Hope, yeah, New uh, Hope Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah. you came on an exchange program, or what kind of program was it? It was AFS. Oh, AFS. Okay. So it was uh, the main purpose is not to study English, but yes. to experience cross-cultural experiences. Ah, I see. So and then I'm assuming you had to go back. Yes, yeah. I had to go back after yeah nine ten months, yeah. and then I finished my high school in Osaka, Japan. Okay, that's where I grew up. Yeah, and I went to uh, Kwansei. Gakuin University okay. um, in Nishinomiya, that's near Kobe. Okay. You know, famous for beef. Sure, beef, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I studied sociology. Okay. I really wanted to study counseling. Okay. But back in, you know, that day, you know, the, that time in Japan, counseling was very stigmatized. If you go see, you know, a psycho- you know, psychologist, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't a popular subject. Uh-huh. So that's what I studied, sociology, social welfare. Okay. So I have BA in sociology. Okay. And I really wanted to go study, you know, come back to the U.S. Yeah. to study uh, counseling. Okay. So so I, I applied for a program where I taught Japanese language okay. um, at a university, small university. And at the same time, I can take classes um, at graduate program. Okay. Here in the U.S.? Here in the U.S. Okay. at actually California State University yeah. Bakersfield. Okay, cool. So they placed me there. Okay. And uh, when I was placed in Lake Crystal, Minnesota for high school, I could not find the city or town, the village on the map yeah. anywhere I could find, you know, like a map I can find in Japan. So I was very worried. Yeah. Where am I going? Yes. My parents were very worried too. Like, where is she going? Yeah, yeah. It's not on the map. Yeah. Okay, where it's is, literally not yeah, on the map. Where, where is this? 
So Bakersfield is not a big city either, but at least it was on the map. Every map, like, okay, yeah. I'll go. Yeah. All right, so that was a two-year uh, commitment. Okay. So I finished my master's, and then I stayed. Um, I found the internship uh, as a international student counselor at okay. a community college okay. in Bakersfield. Okay. So I did that about uh, a year and a half, and then you know my visa ran out, so I. I went back to Japan. Okay. And but at that time I met someone there in Bakersfield. Yeah. So we decided to get married. Okay. And we went back to Japan. Okay. We lived there for five, six years. We had two kids. And then what time to come back to the US. Sure. So I came back and since then, you know, I've been here almost twenty years. Wow. Wow. So it's been, That's a, been journey. a journey, right? Yes. It's been a minute. That's awesome, though. So, when you were, so what made you at such a young age to decide you want to be in counseling? I, well, during the AFS year in yeah. Minnesota, I was really confused about, you know, who I was. And I, I never moved in Japan. So, no one, you know, everybody knew me. I didn't have to tell anybody yeah. who I was, what I like, what I don't like. Yeah, yeah. But when I went to Minnesota, everybody would go, who are you? Yeah. You why know, are you what, here? Yeah, yeah, why are you here? What do you want to do? And I had no answer because I had never thought about myself. And then Wow, Japan, that's a very interesting perspective. Right? And then yeah. in Japan, people know you. Yeah. And you don't have to really tell anybody about who you are. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it happens by osmosis, I sure. guess. Yeah. So I was really confused. And I think any 17-year-old yeah, in yeah. anywhere, even if you're in a home country, you know, are confused. Yeah. I figured a lot of things out by myself. And I thought, if I had a counselor or someone that I can talk to, yeah. she could have said, you know, Oh, it's this, or you know, oh, this have you is thought about it, this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it would have been easier. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade my experience for sure. anything. But yeah. so I every day now, you know, I have my dream job. Yeah. I get to uh, help international students. Yeah, and you know, I try to be the counselor that I wished I had. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that's a great reason to be in this. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. so the podcast is called Destiny Benders. We talk a lot about people like you who are changing lives and bending people's destinies, right? Mm, okay. So t talk to me a little bit about your day-to-day. -day. I mean, obviously, you're counseling a lot of students, guiding them. At the end of the their stay, you know, I work at a university now and I, I take care of exchange students or fee-paying, you know, short-term students. And so they go home. Yeah. So that's a sad part, you know. Yeah. We say hello yeah. many times, but at the end we say goodbye. So many goodbyes and yeah. tears. Yeah. But you know, when they cry, yeah. I'm I'm sad too, yeah. but I'm kinda happy. Yeah. Because that means they had a great experience. Yeah. And they might use their experience in, you know, later in their lives, good ones and bad ones. Sure. You know, if they survive this, I think they can they survive can anything, anything right? right? Yeah. And that's what I tell them all the time. Yeah. You know, the, remember the first day that you came to CSU Bakersfield and yeah. you felt like, I know nobody and I know nothing. Yeah. Look now where look you are you four months later. Yeah. You walk like an American student. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even recognize you yeah. right on campus. Is that another yeah. you know, Indian American student? Yeah. Or, you yeah. Know, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. So where do you go from here? You've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. What's next? Like, what's the next five years for you look like? Well, since coming out of the pandemic, I want to bring back the number of activity level of sure. our university to, you know, where it was yeah. or even more. And after that, 
I would, I'm studying Spanish. Okay. So I would love to live, you know, live in Spain. Really? And I wow. think people want to learn Japanese or yeah. English as a second language. Sure, you could do so that. So if I, if I have a chance, yeah, yeah, I would like to live, you know, somewhere and I can practice Spanish and teach, you know, Japanese and English. Not at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be too confusing. Yeah. yeah so. so you mentioned the pandemic. Obviously, uh, the field of international education was challenged quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We're coming out a bit. Mm-hmm. What do you see? What do you predict in the next five years? Obviously, you do a lot of short-term programs. What do you see changes? Like, what are some big things that we should expect in the next five years? Well, I wish I had a crystal ball to tell you this. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Yeah, yeah, don't we all? But for our student at CSUB, um, I want to give students different experiences. You know, it doesn't have to be a semester long. So we're trying to develop uh, summer programs, winter programs, and also faculty-led programs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where parents and students feel a little more comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, leaving the country and then having great experience and maybe, you you know, bring back units, you know, so things like that. and I think people are kind of dying for, you know, wanting for new experiences yeah, since yeah. we had to stay home yeah. for two years. Yeah. So I wish this could be a springboard. Sure, sure. That's know? a great way yeah. to look at it. Yeah. All right, last question. You've been a counselor for so long. What advice would you have, or not? maybe not even an advice, but some wisdom to the young counselors that are coming into the field, whether they're on the high school side counseling students about their futures or on the college side, helping them navigate the university experience. What's a piece of wisdom? You know, in order to advise somebody or give someone, you know, um, perspective, you don't have to have the same experience. Mm -hmm. But if you could, you know, travel abroad, Mm -hmm. if you haven't already, put yourself in in a situation where, they don't speak your language, yeah, yeah. you know, the cultures are new, then I think you can really feel what it's like for your students to be in that situation. Yeah. And I think your words would be different Yeah. from, you know, the person who had never been in an uncomfortable sure. situation. Yeah, yeah, never been stretched a little bit, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, that's a wonderful piece of advice. Thank you, Yuri. Good luck with everything that you're doing. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hi, I'm here with Dr. Abir, who's the president, and Dr. Ayman, who's the provost of academic affairs at Dara al-Hekma University in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Abir Ayman, welcome to the podcast. So, like I said, the podcast is about people who are in international education, who are doing some wonderful work, changing lives. So, start with a little bit about yourself. How did you end up in your role? And then we'll chat a little bit about the work that you're doing. So, let's get started. So um, I'm now the president of Dar al-Hikmah University, which is located in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I joined the university in 2006 as a lecturer, and then I got my PhD in 2016 uh, from um, King Abdullah University of Science and Technology uh, and uh, in, in applied mathematics. And then I rejoined Dar al-Hikmah and be, uh, held different positions. I was first the director of the general education and then uh, the provost of the academic affairs and then the president in 2020. I got my uh, bachelor degree in mathematics from King Abdulaziz University. Yeah. And then I came to actually Washington, D.C. Uh, and I got my master's degree from the GW. 
University. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes, George Washington. Yes, right here. George, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we're here today uh, to attend. To, uh, this is my first time attending the AIEA conference. Yeah, uh, it's really amazing. Yeah, it's the best place to be for collaborations, and uh, we're happy to be here. Yeah, well, so glad that you could come back. Uh, Iman, you want to tell us a little bit about your journey so far? Hello, it's uh, Iman Kurdi from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I've joined uh, Dar al Hikmah in 2019, just before the pandemic. It was always my dream to join uh, Dar al Hikmah because of its vision, its vision to empower young females in Saudi. And I, I really wanted to be part of uh, that vision. I've done my uh, master's and PhD in the UK, uh, in Wales, in media and communication. And I'm here to meet people from the industry, to talk to educational leaders and build connections. I have so many questions about so many things. But let's talk a little bit about when you guys were younger in high school. I mean, you were mathematics and you're doing, what did you say your degree was? Media. Yeah. So media. And I'm sure at some point you never said, hey, when I grow up, I'm going to be a president or a provost and I'm going to go work in international education. Right. So when you're a high school student, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Uh, since I was in elementary school, I love mathematics. Okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> not very many people. Yeah, can say that. I know. Uh, but I, I didn't find uh, find it difficult for me to to choose a ma- major for either my bachelor, my masters, or my PhD. So um, from the moment I entered the university in in, in Saudi, I know that I'll be a mathematician. Wow. Okay, it's my passion. And if you still ask me oh, what what would I like to do right now, I would really love to complete conducting research in mathematics. Uh, it's my passion right now, especially that I joined CAUS and CAUS is, is, is a pure research uh, community. Yeah. So luckily, I would say luckily that I was... Um, appointed to be the president of uh, of Dar al Hikma uh, and I would like to I would like my students to have my same experience because as I said at the beginning I did get my uh, bachelor degree from Saudi master's degree from uh, uh, GW and then um my PhD from Kaus, which yeah. is a multicultural uh, community. Yeah. So what we're trying to do right now in Dar al-Hikmah is trying to, uh, we are a multicultural community. We do have different uh, nationalities yeah. uh, as faculty, as staff, as students. Uh, and I would love my students to have uh, the same quality of education that I was able to get. How about you? I think I've always wanted to do uh, media and communication. Because my mom, uh, she did her uh, degree in uh, communication from the United States, uh, USC, back in the 70s. And I think I had uh, that influence from my mom. Uh, Back then, we didn't have the degree in Saudi. So I studied uh, English literature, uh, which was very amazing to, uh, in a way, study media after literature and to analyze media from a literary uh, perspective. What was the the other side (laughs) of the question? No, that's great. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, that's so interesting that you, you, like you said, looking at media from a literacy or literature perspective, that's something that I've never heard anybody talk about. So that's going to be really interesting to dig into. But now we're here at this conference. Everything is about international education, about creating more opportunities and giving students a global perspective. And I know as a bystander, as somebody looking in from the outside, I know there's been a lot of progress made in Saudi Arabia for young women, right? So I'm assuming this is such a passion project for you guys, right? 
Yeah, you're right. There's a lot happening in Saudi right now, especially with Vision 2030. So uh, there is a lot of opportunities for uh, females. There are some jobs that I would say were limited to males previously, but nowadays they are, uh, they are, uh, females have more opportunities for these uh, jobs. Uh, now we have tourism. Uh, hospitality. Most of the private sectors are allowing a mixed environment mm-hmm. uh, right now. This wasn't allowed in the past. We do have a male faculty in our uh, university, but we used to have that long time ago. So even though we are a female university, uh, fa- male faculty are allowed to teach our uh, our our uh, students. Uh, nowadays, we started our master's program for uh, male students. This happened, I think, three, four years ago. Okay, and we're trying to expand and we might, it's on the table that we start offering bachelor for uh, male students. Okay. Yeah. And what role do you see, both of you, in terms of what international education or opportunities for young women from Saudi to go overseas to experience? How important is that uh, for them to have that experience? What will that mean for both for them and for the countries where they visit to be ambassadors like you've been here in the U.S. and you've been in the U.K.? Uh, we try to equip our students with the right skills uh, through curricular and extracurricular activities. So we work on their soft skills, uh, communication skills, critical thinking. Uh, we teach them courses such as uh, art and design, uh, entrepreneurship. And then we think they're ready to travel and resume their studies outside. Uh, not to mention that all of our, most of our curriculum were, were developed internationally. So the students already have access to international uh, materials. Dr. Abit, do you want to add something? I'm not being biased, but I, I, wanted, I want to say that uh, Dar al Hikma was developed by Texas International Consortium. Okay. Uh, so it's an international consortium that developed uh, universities. So as Dr. Iman mentioned, uh, our students. Uh, they do have the international flavor, even though they are still in Saudi. Yeah. We we like our students to be exposed. Uh, we do have trips all over the world. Uh, like, for example, last month, our students went to the United Nations uh, for a seven days workshop. And uh, our architecture students, they went, I think, to Spain last year, Barcelona. So uh, we're very... Um, and we're very keen yeah. and we do encourage uh, these kind of trips. And sometimes we offer even short courses for our students, international short courses. And uh, uh, that's what, why we're here. Uh, we're not only looking for virtual exchange. Uh, we're, we're also looking for student exchange. As Dr. Iman mentioned at the beginning, we work a lot on developing the soft skills of our students. So we're giving them communication skills. We're giving them... Um, Emotional intelligence, we're giving them uh, artificial intelligence. And, and, and this all uh, happened like uh, when, when, when they first started Dar al-Hikmah, which is 23 years ago. Okay. So you can see that I think w- with all the changes that are happening now, and especially that uh, we're open for international collaboration, the kingdom is open for international c- collaboration, I can see that we're on the right track. Yeah. Well, that sounds so amazing. I mean, I'm so happy to see representation from Saudi here. I hope it was a productive conference for you. And I hope you keep coming back, not just here, but other conferences around the world as well. And I wish you both the best of luck. 
I'm here with uh, Valeriana Daly, Director of Partnership Development for North America at Acumen. Val, so good to see you. I hope the conference is going well. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is my first AIEA, so it's been really exciting and fun to meet a lot of new faces and see friends from the industry. Yeah, excellent. So I know you're in a new role now, recently moved over. But before I ask you about the job or what you're doing and all of that, tell us a little bit about you. How and where did you come from? How did you end up in international education? Give us the... Where did I come from? Uh, Italy. I was born and raised in Milan. I started out as an international student myself. I studied in... um, UK, Germany, France, as I was going through school in Italy, I have a hospitality degree and then ended up working for a mouse in Florida. That's what brought me to the U.S. <laughs> it's Mickey Mouse. Uh, I worked at Epcot for a, few, for a little while. Uh, then I worked uh, in Paris, at Disneyland in Paris, and then on the Disney Cruise Line. And when that happened, I met who is now my husband, so I ended up settling in Florida. Uh, worked in hospitality for a bit, then Raised a family and then came back when Folsa University started their international department. So I started there and then five years later joined IDP. And now after almost eight years, I am now at Acumen. Mickey Mouse. Huh? Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so, I worked for a mouse. Yes. You worked for a mouse. So growing up in Milano. Yes. Did you ever think you'll be in the U.S. or working at Disney or even better working in international education? Another fun fact, uh, love Bon Jovi. And the reason why I wanted to learn English was because I needed to understand what the heck they were saying on the songs. (laughs) And my my goal was to eventually go visit New Jersey of all places. (laughs) So, yes, I wanted, I transported and manifested myself in the U.S. uh, But no, I never expected to be here. This was a fabulous for me, full circle, uh, being an international student at some point, working with international students and now Helping institutions, yeah. helping students yeah. in turn. So what did you think when you were in high school? What were you thinking you're going to be in your life? Well, I studied hospitality because I, okay. I had a passion for languages and I wanted to travel. Um, really, I wanted to be a vet, but my mom said it's too long of a, of a road. <laughs> Don't do it. So, uh, so I decided to go the hospitality slash travel path. And that was really exciting for me. Discovering, exploring the world was something that I really wanted to do. Yeah. And I've been so lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. Aren't we all lucky? Yes. To do this? So you worked for a few years in the, on the institutional side. Yes, and sir. then since then, you've been on the provider side. Talk to me about the differences of those. Like, what do you like better? I don't think I like either better. I think that for me, it's been a learning opportunity, a professional development in all three of these roles. I've gotten to connect with students who I'm still connected with who are now graduates of Full Sail, which is exciting to see how that was my favorite part of that job, to see how they, you know, from the very first beginning of their journey yeah. to seeing it through graduating, becoming successful. That's very exciting. Uh, working at the agency, I learned a lot about the different markets and what works in what market. And now in this new role, I'm excited because I get to learn about other things that agencies don't necessarily do, um, which is transnational education and market entry for Mm -hmm. institutions. So that's, for me, again, an opportunity to develop professionally, personally, and learn more. Yeah. Now in this new role, you're going to be working with institutions across North America, helping them with their internationalization strategies, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. 
where do you see international education going? Obviously, we just came out of the pandemic. Lots changed over the last three to five years. Mm-hmm. Where do you see things going? Where are institutional priorities? Mm-hmm. What should we look forward to? The big topic for me that I heard from conversations here at AIEA and even ARC and even at other events is how do we continue to recruit international students in a sustainable fashion. There are so many international students who come here to North America, Canada, who end up not having the experience that we want them to have because there is numbers, 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 but is that really the right thing for them? Some are not ready for our our ways. We think that, you know, we do everything better than anyone else. So we just need to sort of take a look at at that and think of their journey first and also volumes. I feel like so many institutions aren't able to really manage the volume that's coming in right now. How do we do that sustainably other ways to recruit beyond the traditional recruitment practices? And I think that that's where partnerships come into play, international partnerships, international delivery of our programs abroad, which can then create a constant and reliable stream, Mm -hmm. qualified, interested, qualified, and prepared students. So that's where the challenge is, right? As an institution... Like you said, numbers, 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 because, yeah, internationalization, but dollars make mm-hmm. sense, right? How how does an institution prepare for this? Uh, there's, on one hand, I mean, I have so many questions. On one hand, there's this global competition now for students. So now everybody's got to up their game to be much more competitive, much more attractive. At the same time, North America, particularly in the U.S., mm-hmm. college is getting expensive. And then you look at students from around the world. Now they have many more options to choose from. And at the same time, like you said, some of them are underprepared. Mm-hmm. Maybe some are misguided mm-hmm. in their process of Correct. where they go. How do you reconcile all of this? Well, putting on my acumen hat on, I think that Having in-country presence in some way, shape, or form is important to keep an eye on practices and making sure that students are prepared, those who want to come here as, you know, first year. But otherwise, as I hinted at before, is maybe looking at delivering some programs or even maybe credentials, small micro-credentials programs abroad where you're filling a skill gap and the employment Mm -hmm. pool. So to better their lives there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. which then in turn can increase uh, accessibility, because uh, look at what's happening in Vietnam. Middle class is rising, um, so that means that they have there are more students who have the opportunity and the access to education abroad. So I think we can make that happen in other countries as well. We just need to keep a close eye on practices and again ensure that students are prepared, yeah. whether they come here first year or they start in their home countries. Yeah, I agree with that as well. So, quick question: You mentioned in-country presence, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, I understand that need, but there's a fine balance of having somebody in country who's of local origin representing mm-hmm. an institution as opposed to somebody from the home campus traveling Absolutely. to. Yes. How do you balance that? We have to also take a look at the fact that traveling is that much more complicated these days and more expensive. Budgets are getting cut. So yes, it's still important to keep that connection with students. They are still looking forward to meeting representatives from the campus, but I think that we can have more productive conversations with them the few times that we're able to go from here where there's an in-country presence that's supporting and sustaining that conversation while you're not there because you cannot be there 24-7. And I've known so many people, as you do, (laughs) will go out there for six, eight, 
10 weeks at a time, which is also not sustainable these days. So yeah. not to mention environmentally, not very safe. Our either. footprint, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a look at that one. Yeah, cool. Well, exciting new role that you're in. Uh, what are you looking forward to at the rest of the conference and obviously the rest of the year? The conference, I'm so excited. I got, like I said, to, I got to meet some new people and see longtime friends in the um, in the sector. For the rest of the year is a learning process for me. And just like students, I'm looking forward to seeing what's uh, what's next. Before I let you go, what's something cool or unique about you that I don't know yet or that most people don't know? I love to make things with my hands. So I crochet, I knit and I sew dance costumes for my, I don't crochet knit the dance costumes, but I do sew dance costumes for my dancer. She's uh, in a pre-professional program and I enjoy spending a lot of time with her and that helps us connect on that level too. Sweet. So I can expect a knitted hat for my next winner? Yes, yeah. actually. I'll send you one of those. I'll, make you, you I'll make you a beanie. There you, you wear go. Beanies? Yeah, absolutely. I'll if you make, make you me one, one, I will. I'll well, sign it even. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> even better. Well, Val, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Good luck with everything. It's always a pleasure to see you. Always sure a pleasure to see you. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for joining us this week. Jessica and I'll be back next week with another Destiny Bender.